Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. In the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 10, we're going to begin reading in verse number 3 and ask the Lord to just strengthen us tonight by His Word. I, I love the Word of God. Amen. It doesn't really matter to me what form, I just love the Word of God. I love to read it, I love to hear it read. Some, some mornings, I, I every night, I keep my phone beside my bed, and so sometimes on early morning, I, w- I may wake up real early in the morning, and I just turn on my phone, put my little earphones on, and I just listen to the Bible, let it be read to me just a, a little while while it's there. I'm not saying that to sound sanctimonious. I just love the Word of God. I can't think of a better way to start your day than just to let the Word of God just bathe over our heart and our soul. So tonight, the Word is going to be the centerpiece of what we're discussing And uh, let's turn to 2 Corinthians 10 and 3. The Bible says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, And here's the tough part. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having, and having in a readiness, in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Tonight, as we continue our study on back to the basics, I want to speak on the subject of spiritual warfare and, uh, Pray that God would help all of us to understand that we are in a spiritual battle even now. And uh, I mean even now, currently, not now in 2015 and uh, not now sometime this week. But I mean right now, right now, right now. We're standing in a spiritual battleground. I mean, you may be seated in the fear of the Lord and let's talk about spiritual warfare for just a little while. There are two basic fronts, I think, for every born-again Christian. And uh, I'm painting with a broad brush right now, I realize, but I think there are two basic battlegrounds that we face. Some of them are self-inflicted issues, things that we do to ourselves, And I, I often contend that the greatest battle that I have is the man who stares back at me from the mirror every morning. That is, that is the biggest battle. That's one of the greatest enemies. And so because sometimes we inflict things upon ourselves, 
we have to deal then and pay for or pay the suffer the ramifications of decisions that we make in our lives. We don't always make the right decisions. And so there's a lot of things that we could go into this category of self-inflicted problems. But if you don't pay your bills after a while, it's going to become problematic. And uh, somebody's going to turn your lights off or the water or the gas or um, somebody's going to have to find your vehicle in the still of the night and take it away. And uh, sometimes we blame the devil for those things. But he had nothing to do with that. They're self-inflicted issues. They're things that we did to ourselves. We cannot take care of our health. And, and I'm sure in all of our lives there's room for improvement here. But if you don't take care of your health in time, that just starts slow walking us down. And after a while, it has nothing to do with genetics. It has nothing to do with the enemy. It has everything to do with us. We cannot properly maintain things that we own. Our car, our home, or or the list goes on and on. And after a while, there's a problem. But that problem has nothing to do with no one but us. They're all self-inflicted. But there are other things that we face. Another completely er- completely different area of our life, and that is satanic inflicted things that we face. Now, I, I, I know that many times when we're talking about Satan and spiritual warfare and things of that nature, people are so afraid that you're going to get off in the weirdville until they kind of disconnect. But I want to tell you this evening that what we're going to talk about is real. It is as real as the next breath of air that you'll take. Spiritual warfare. The devil will use anything or anyone that he can to do spiritual battle with you. It may go without saying, but certainly among the top of the list that the enemy uses is people. The devil will use people. Those people can be family or friends or neighbors or co-workers. Or those people may even be complete, total strangers. But the enemy can use them. The enemy can use things to work against us, our jobs, our cars, or whatever the the issue may be, music. He will use a lot of things to influence our day. And so even though Satan has the ability to use people or things, our enemy ultimately is not with things and it's not with those people. But ultimately it is the imminent evil of Satan himself. So that doesn't mean that we uh, just kind of dismiss it all and now we have a crash course in this and we understand it. But I think that we must educate ourselves and be wise to the ways of the enemy. There have been times that I have found myself caught up in something, maybe caught up in an issue. And maybe after a while you find yourself really amped up and then, and then it realize, you realize, wait a minute, <laughs> wait, wait a minute, this is the devil. And I need to do something about that. And, and I've seen a few heads that are nodding, and so I'm just assuming by that that, that perhaps you found yourself there in a, very similar, in a very similar fashion to realize that this is not that person or this is not about this issue, but this is just the enemy at work. And so that's why we need to be wise and have a spirit of discernment. And so we have to incorporate in our lives daily Calvary's finished work. I want, to, I want to pray every day that God would give me the strength for that day. And I want to have the wisdom that I need for that day. And, and the power of God to help me make decisions that I'm going to, 
that I'm going to have to make. If we can ever master the flesh, I don't think there's anyone here tonight that would raise your hand and say, well, I've got it all together. And so I think I can comfortably say that if we could ever master the flesh and its desires, then the enemy's defeat would be sure. Because many times and most often we find ourselves in the battle of our flesh. So he is and knows that he is no match for a saint of God who has conquered their flesh and somebody who understands the power of the God that they're serving. Jesus said in Matthew or in Luke rather 10 and 19, Behold, I give unto you. Would you say with me, that's me. Amen. That was a little weak. Let's try that again. That's, amen. I know how audience participation goes. I, I caught you off guard. But everybody say, he said, I give unto you power. Say, that's me. I want you to say that because I don't want you to think that the power has just been given to the pulpit or the power has just been given to the ministry. But he said, I give unto you power. Power, or another word for power there is authority. I give unto you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. In other words, God has not just equipped the church. He didn't just... um, We need to not ever think that the church is an anemic body that is just walking around waiting on the imminent return of the Lord. That we're just going to struggle and endure until He calls or until He comes. But the Scripture says that unto us, us individually, which makes us the church corporately, that He has given us power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Ephesians 6 and 11, the Bible says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles there is not a word that we use every day in 2015. But that's just another word to to say or another way to say the methods or the means, the, the various ways that the enemy may come against us, the schemes that he may come up so come up with. So he says that you'll be able to stand against no matter what scheme or idea or thought or method that the enemy comes against you with. As a matter of fact, Ephesians 6 and 12, in 6 and 12, Paul uses the word wrestle. We understand that word a little better, to strike or to throw with violence or intensity. We, we understand that word a little bit a little bit better. It refers to the warfare in general between saints of God and the evil spirits that are out to destroy us. I will tell you this evening unequivocally that the enemy is working overtime to destroy families, to break down any unit that God has put together, whether that is a, a literal family or a spiritual family. He is working overtime to dig loose and shake loose the core foundations that hold this together. And so that's one reason that I just wanted to revisit a few of the fundamental things that I think make a church a church. That we never underestimate why we're here has nothing to do with the color of these walls or the accents with which this building is decorated. That's not what's holding us together. I'm thankful for those things. Amen. I'm thankful for the giftedness that God has blessed us with as a church. But those things single-handed all by themselves 
are not what has brought us here. But what has brought us here has been the power and the presence of God Almighty. What has brought us to where we are today have been Holy Ghost filled saints that have won the battle over the enemy. Amen. We have been handed tonight uh, a, a, a victorious church. And so the church is going to leave this world in victory. And so we see that our battle is not with the flesh. It is not with flesh and blood, as Paul puts it. It's not with people or things. But rather, we're fighting a spiritual enemy that wars against our soul. Listen, as we move now to verse number 12 of Ephesians 6, and here we will see four different things that the Apostle Paul underlines as things that we face in our lives. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but then Paul does tell us what we are up against. We're not in a battle against flesh and blood, but we are in a battle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, but please, please hear me tonight. That what Paul said to the Ephesian church was not just relegated to that time or that era or that moment. But what Paul said to the Ephesians is as much relevant this evening as it has ever been. Because there is a, there is a spiritual government that has been set up. I feel the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I feel the Holy Ghost in this. There is a spiritual government that has been set up. And so we must understand what we are fighting against. No man, no wise man, should I say, would go into a battle without knowing something about the foe that you're facing, the enemy that you're facing. You don't want to show up with a pocket knife if you're going to a shootout. You want to know what you're facing. And so Paul says there are some things here that we have to be aware of. The first thing that Paul mentions is principalities. This means chief rulers are being spiritual beings. Now, please stay with me. I'm not speaking in generic terms. I'm speaking specifically about spiritual rulers. Principalities means that in this world of evil, that there are chief rulers, just like in any governmental structure. There are chief rulers. There are those that are in high command, the highest of rank in order in the satanic kingdom. And there is a satanic kingdom. Every single nation in the world has a principality over it. Is it Daniel that talks about the prince of Persia? Amen. There are things that we must know what we are up against. We must know that up front. I was sharing this with Brother Everett Bird uh, last Friday night. Brother and Sister Hofstetter have pastored and many years ago started a church in Bartow. And I'm just going to share this and I'm not trying to flip anybody out, but I just, I just found this pretty interesting that for many years, Brother and Sister Hofstetter had, uh, had struggled to really, to build the church there and they didn't really understand what they were up against. And so they began to pray and seek God and ask God to help them find direction. Uh, for what they were really facing in their city, because every area has something that you're 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 battling or you're, something that you're facing. And so, as they began to pray, and and uh, the Lord led Brother Hofstetter to do some research about the particular city that uh, that they were trying to build their church in. And in this city, the man who founded the city 
was one of the leading members of the Masonic Lodge. And, uh, and so, you know, sometimes we, we think that's all wonderful, but you need to really understand what's behind the veil of all of that. And so as they, they begin to look into this, uh, they, they found out that, that he was very involved in the Masonic Lodge. And then as they begin to further do some research in their, uh, in their, in the study in their, of the particular town where they were working, that when the city, when this particular city was laid out, that the government buildings, I don't know about today, I'm talking about in its founding, in its foundation, that the government buildings, if you were to look at that from an aerial view, was, would, if you connected the dots, would be the symbol of the Masonic Lodge. Now, I just say that to say this. That if the enemy is smart enough to say, in the inception of this city, we want these forces to be with us, us just singing everybody will be happy over there a little bit faster is not going to get the job done. Amen. I think I lost a few of you in that little story. I hope not. Because if the enemy is that shrewd, then we had best pull our head out of the clouds and realize that we're in a real battle here. This is a real legitimate battle here. And when they began to realize what they were up against, they knew how to pray. Are you following me now? And they began to pray against that and speak against that. And God began to give them traction in that city. And so there are principalities that we are facing. I want to tell you that the devil doesn't want you to be in this service tonight. He doesn't want you to be in this house tonight. Furthermore, he would really like for you to not to be here Sunday and next Wednesday and on and on and on. I mean, there are principalities, there are spirits that are there to divide against the children of God. The second word that that Paul uses here are, are powers. There was principalities and then powers, meaning those who derive their power from and who execute the will of the chief rulers or the principalities. And so you see the governmental structure. You have principalities and you've got power. Power that is coming from the principalities. Amen. That could include supernatural influences even in government. And I'm not speaking ill of our government in particular. I'm just talking about the government in general. The third thing are the rulers of darkness, meaning the spirit world rulers are the lords of this age or the lords of any age. And so we can say that for the most part we see a lot of continuity through time. Through time, how uh, I, I remember years ago, uh, I read uh, I read the sermon the sermon notes of a man who had preached a, a message in the 17th century, and as I began to read over those notes, I, I'm telling you, it was though I were sitting at camp meeting. It was as though I were sitting in in that very moment, because what the preacher was preaching about and what the preacher was reaching for in the 17th century was the same thing that we, at the time, were reaching for in the 20th century. And now even in the 21st century, it is the same thing. And so and so here is the rulers of darkness, the rulers the, of spirit world rulers and lords of an age, of an era. I know that in some ways that that uh, the, the things that we face today or the things that our young people face today are a little bit different than what we faced when we were their age. But if I could, if I could with great deference to where they are today, say this, that in some ways that's true and in some ways it is not true. There's nothing new under the sun. 
There may be new vehicles or new ways for that to be introduced to us or into our lives, but there's a lot of continuity from the time of Adam and Eve all the way until this very hour in which we stand. So the, the rulers of darkness, things that could be defined like the spirit of lust or the spirit of depression or the spirit of fear or the spirit of perversion, and, and that list could go on and on and on. We live in a very perverted hour. Would it be fair to say amen to that? But it's no more perverted than it was in the days of Noah. What we read about taking place today around our nation and around the world We can pick up this book that's in our lap or open before us and read of things like that, and in some cases, even worse. Even worse. And so there are these rulers of darkness, rulers of darkness, things that may plague a person personally. Finally, there is spiritual wickedness, meaning uh, the, the wicked spirits that are sent by Satan. And so if we go back a few chapters in this same book, Paul addresses some of these same issues in even greater detail. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2, the Bible says, "...wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world." Here's what Paul said in times past, because he was preaching to the saints at Ephesus. So he said, in times past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air." Now, there may be people tonight that said, you know, I was lost and I knew I needed the Holy Ghost. That's why I went and repented and that's why I got baptized in Jesus' name and that's why I yielded myself to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But you would not necessarily want to lift your hand and say, I was ruled by the principalities of this world. But in truth, we were. We were. In times past, we were walking according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now, he said, worketh in the children of disobedience. I think it's important to, to really notice something here, that satanic influence and satanic control only resides where people have given their will and their authority, given, given Satan their will and their authority for him to operate in their lives. We can withstand the power of temptation, the power of evil that is in this world. That's why we must heed the words of the Apostle Paul when he said in Ephesians 4 and 27, Neither give place to the devil. This is a serious thing. And so sometimes, you know, because someone hasn't broken all of this down in syllables, we don't really understand what the, 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 what maybe Paul is saying here. Don't give place to the devil. And so sometimes you don't really understand, why is the preacher preaching against that? Or why is the preacher saying we ought not go here? We ought not go there? It, it may be that we are looking and seeing a place that the devil can use. The devil can work. Don't even give room for the devil to come. Don't open the door. Don't, if you ever open the door, you know, there's a few, a few things that we, we say and, and it's so true. You can't unring a bell. You can't put the genie back, genie back in the bottle. And so don't even give room to the devil. Don't even give place. Don't even talk about that. Amen? And so Satan didn't go away with the angelic order of authority. He didn't do away, rather, with the angelic order of authority. He kept that. And he uses it where men give him the ability to use it or give him the control. Amen. In this manner, he has gained some measure of control in many world systems and many governments. And that's what I was mentioning a moment ago. There are people that make allegiances with the enemy. Absolutely, make allegiance with the enemy. 
And they give their life to Him. They have sold their soul, perhaps, we may say, to the enemy of this world. And so remember, as we speak about this spiritual warfare, that, that the enemy's domain is only territorial. I mean, he is not the ruler and the controller of the world. We are serving the ruler and the controller of the world. The Bible says in Psalms 24 and 1, here's what David says to assure us, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Everything is the Lord's. It doesn't belong to Satan. So that's why sometimes we sing the song sometimes around here even that says, I'm going to take back what he stole from me. Why? Because we have the authority to do that. We have the authority to do that. Satan has many limitations. He's not equal with God. The Scripture tells us that he was cast out of heaven. He was cast out of heaven for declaring himself equal with God. That was the original sin in heaven. Lucifer dared to exalt himself to the same level to be like God when clearly he was not God. And so how many know that Satan is a fallen angel? Right, a fallen angel. And so he is then therefore subjected to the limitations of who he is and what he is. He is a fallen angel. Amen. He is subject to the limitations therefore of an angel. He is a counterpart to an angel. He's certainly not God. He is not God. He is not omnipotent. Or in other words, he's not all powerful because only God has all the power. And so Satan's power is limited by what God will allow him to do in the earth. He can do no more and he can do no less. We see that principle clearly played out in the life of Job where we are given uh, insight, a peek behind the curtain, the veil, so to speak, of a conversation that was going on between God and Satan himself. And the Lord said, you can do this, but you can't do that. You can go here, but you can't go there. You can go this far, but no further. Amen. This principle in the life of Job clearly is something that we can relate to in our own lives. In the book of First John chapter 4 and verse 4, the Bible says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Now listen, this is not just some little whoopee scripture. This is not something that we just kind of sip on like a cool taste of iced tea. But we need to understand that in the throes of our day-to-day battle, that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. You know what? If something was irritating you and you could do something about it, you've got the authority or the power to do something about it, you're going to do something about it. Is that is that not true? If, and so, greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. In, in addition, Satan is not omniscient or he is not all-knowing. Though he does not have the all-knowing power of God, he does have more knowledge than mere humanity. Amen. He's had the privilege to be studying the habits of man. <laughs> and we don't change a whole lot. Our nature has, this, has been the same. And so for thousands of years, he knows what appeals to the nature of man. And he is more aware of the end of time than we are. He knows that time is short. And so he is working 
overtime. I am not saying this to suggest that there has ever been a time to play church because there's not been ever a time to play church. But hear me tonight when I tell you that now is certainly not the hour to play church. Amen. We need to realize the enemy knows what time it is. He knows how late the hour is. And if he knows how late it is, then how much more ought Holy Ghost-filled, Spirit-filled men and women say, I know what time it is. I can feel in my heart what time it is. What time it is. Amen. We all have, to some degree, an internal clock. And uh, I, I generally wake up within just a few minutes uh, of, of a certain time every day. And that's not 10 o'clock, by the way. <laughs> but somewhere around 6, 6.15, sometimes a little bit earlier. But somewhere right in there, is there there's just an internal clock that just... And you know, it doesn't matter if I went to bed at 8.30 or sometimes it don't even matter if I went to bed at 2.30. think I'm going to just kind of rest in, but there's just something about that internal clock. It's, it's strange how how that works. And, and there are times that uh, that that I may have to, to set the clock for a little bit earlier. I don't know if that, I know this happens to a few more people because I've discussed it with a few people, but but you may set the clock for 4.30. And, and isn't it amazing that at 3.28 or 4.28 your eyes open? Somewhere you you went unconscious, but not to the point that you lost track of everything. I'm not sure how all that plays out. But if I could just turn that to a spiritual application and say, Lord, help me to never go so far asleep that I forget what time it is. Amen. It is time. And I know that we are busy and we got a lot of things going on. And, and there's a lot of things going on in everybody's life that's sitting before me tonight, young and old. But I'll tell you that we need to realize that time is short and the devil knows that time is short. And so it's not time to be on the fence. It's not time to be listening to the voices over the wall. Amen. Abner, the Bible said David wept and cried and said, Abner died as a fool died. He said no man took his life. He gave his life. Why? Because Abner had made it to the city of refuge. He was inside. And when Joab came whispering sweet nothings to him across the wall, somehow or another, Abner dismissed every fear and every feeling in his heart. He had to walk past a lot of red flags. He had to walk past a lot of signs. And you know, today I say this in fear, but I see a lot of Holy Ghost filled people that are walking past a whole lot of signs. They're ignoring a whole lot of things to walk outside of the wall. I'm going to tell you it's time to get in, to get on fire, to get plugged in because the devil knows what time it is. And if the devil knows what time it is, how much more, how much more ought we to know what time it is? He is not omnipresent. The devil is not everywhere at once. God alone fills the universe but because Satan is a fallen angel, because of that, he is limited. He is limited. Amen. This is where satanic commands come into play. He orders spirits to do his bidding. Amen. He, he can't really know your thoughts or read your mind. He didn't really even, doesn't even really know if the temptations that he drops in our mind or in our heart are working unless we manifest them outwardly. Amen. And so sometimes we tell our, we tell on ourselves. So when we're tempted, we need to start thinking good thoughts. When temptation comes your way. How many people have ever been, been tempted? 
<laughs> but we need to have prayer. How many people have ever told a story? <laughs> when we're tempted, when temptation comes pressing against us, you got to be you got to be proactive about that. You can't just wait and see how close the enemy will come. What will they do? You got to be proactive and think good thoughts and pray and and think about worship songs. Amen. You, I'm going. I'm being very, very sincere. I, I promise you that I'm not trying to give you a baby aspirin tonight. I'm trying to help and tell you that this is what we must do. We got to pick up some more weapons of warfare. That's why Paul, when he wrote to the Philippian church, Amen. This is this is not just the power of positive thinking. This is not Zig Ziglar in action here tonight. But the apostle Paul said to the Philippian church in first in chapter four and verses seven and eight, he said, "In the peace of God." God that passes all understanding. It shall keep you, preserve your, your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. And then he said in verse 8, Finally, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, he said, think on these things. I'm going to tell you, there have been times when temptation, when discouragement was coming my way, when the, when, when, when the weakness was trying to overcome my spiritual strength, that I had to stop and realize that I am under an assault of hell right now. Amen. i got to pray. i got to sing. i got to do something. I got. He said, if there's any virtue, think on those things. Think on those things. Praise God. You see, prayer is not always that that takes place on our knees. Prayer is not always that that comes from our folded hands or our lifted hands. But sometimes prayer to combat these forces might come through the words of a song. It may come through the words of a praise. Hallelujah. Because greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The evil thoughts will flee as we begin to declare, to, to declare. I mean, speak those things out. Don't just talk, think about it. I want to speak it out. I want to declare it. I mean, let Satan know that he is defeated. He's a liar. The liar, the father of liars. His biggest lie has been that he has the power over us and our lives and our family and our jobs. But we're a child of God. Amen. We're a child of God. And greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Amen. So as we understand that, then we know more skillfully how to fight against this battle, fight in this battle against evil. The Word of God teaches us not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. Because Paul said to the Corinthian church, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices lest Satan should get an advantage of us. We are not to be ignorant of his devices. If you're ignorant of his devices, he may get an advantage on you. Amen. So we need to be sensitive to His Spirit. So what are His devices? And, and then how can we arm ourselves against them? I believe that as we read in Scripture, as we pick up the Word of God, and we see what God has done in the lives of others in yesterdays and yesteryears, then I realize that those are the same tactics that the enemy is using today. And I want to see how they overcame. Amen. I want to see how they overcame. And so I want to talk to you for just a few moments about the weapons of our warfare. The Bible says in Second Corinthians 
10 and 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down the strongholds. And so these weapons that Paul refers to, I believe there are, there are many, and I am not here tonight to try to say that I have listed them all, but I believe that one of the weapons that we have at our disposal is the name of Jesus. Please never underestimate the name of Jesus. The name. When, when, you, when you call on the name of Jesus, you've just maxed out. There's no other name. There's no other power. There's no other gimmick. There's no other trick. We are going to call on the name of Jesus. I'm kind of debating in my mind whether to share this, but but I, I, I think I shared this with Brother Everett the other night, but somebody that is a friend of mine that I'll just allow to remain unnamed right now. And uh, there have been times people are kind of cutting up in church and showing out, and sometimes people are doing that and that just really for attention more than anything else. So you've got to be uh, wise enough to know the difference there and discerning enough to know. And so uh, his son, my friend's son, was actually the one that was sharing this with me back just a few months ago. He said, you know, we were at an event where somebody was kind of showing out. And he said, you know, my, way, my dad has a way of dealing with this, this kind of thing. I said, yeah. So what's that? He said, well, he just starts calling on the name of Jesus. And he said, if that don't stop, if that doesn't stop him, he just leans up in their ear and said, if you don't stop all this, I'm calling the law. He said, and ten times out of ten, it stops. <laughs> you thought I was fixing to just come wax real spiritually eloquent there, didn't you? Because you see, if it's just for attention, nobody wants to go to jail. And so the power of... <laughs> I think you're going to probably remember that if you remember nothing else tonight. So I'm thankful that I told that. And so we need to call on His name. You don't have to get down in the mud and wallow around with the devil. Amen? No father in their right mind would get down in the mud and roll around and wrestle around trying to get control of a five-year-old. Right? Oh, you got real quiet on me there. I didn't know. thought things had changed. I don't know. You've got authority. You've got authority. I've, I've told this before, and it's, it's, I've told it because it was true, and I'll tell it again tonight because it's still true. But my mom, you know, all kids are, they'll try a few things. And my mother would say things like that. If you don't get up off that floor, I'm going to get down and roll around with you. But she wasn't talking about playing. She had a completely something else in mind. And I had enough sense to know that she wasn't talking about getting down there and playing toys with me or rolling trucks around and making boom vroom sounds. But she was supposed to get down there and fix it all. So, so from the position of authority, she said, you better get up. You better stop that right now. How many of you have ever corrected your children with your eyes across the room? Sure you have. I know it doesn't always work, but there have been times just a glance. You thought, uh-oh. Yeah, I've had my heart almost stop beating. See, see, my, see my mother looking at me, you know, 
I'm not, I'm not making my mom sound really bad. She wasn't. But you just see these 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 looks, and you've had to give them as, as parents. You know, you better stop that right now. And, and so what what brought that into control was authority, not abuse. I'm not talking about that, but authority. And so the weapons of our warfare were calling His name. I took a little more time with that, but the devil trembles at His name. There's no other name higher than the name. And so we have power of attorney, if we could just maybe use a little more modern terminology here today. We have power of attorney to use that name. We've been given the right to use that name because we're His children. We've been baptized in His name, taking His name on. And so I have a power of attorney. And this is what Mark said. Jesus said in Mark 16 and 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe in My name. In My name they shall cast out devils and they shall speak with new tongues. The Bible says in Luke 10, 17, Even the devils are so Subject unto us through His name or through Thy name. The weapon, another weapon of our warfare is His power and His authority in us. In us. The church, I want to say it one more time, is not an anemic body hoping that we can just live to see another sunrise. We're not just an anemic body struggling through this world. But the Bible says in Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses amen, unto me both in Jerusalem in all Judea, Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. You're going to have the power to be a witness. Amen. The power to witness. Amen. It's going to be there. It is in you because you have been baptized in His name. The Scripture says in Matthew 10 and 1, and when He did... And when he had called unto me his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. He didn't call them together and then not give them the power to do what they needed to do. Hallelujah. And so when a, when an officer of the law is sworn in, when they raise their hand, when they are sworn in, they have become, they have become deputized. They have become in, Powered with the law of the state of Florida or whatever it may be. Amen. In a federal sense, it would be the law of our nation. And so I say, God, help us to realize that the Lord didn't just give us the Holy Ghost so that we could speak in tongues and just have bragging rights about speaking in tongues. Amen. He gave us power over unclean spirits. He gave us authority over unclean spirits and they must flee. Praise God. Another weapon of our warfare is prayer and fasting. Don't ever, ever, ever think we're going to grow past the place of prayer and fasting. The Bible says, Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. And so I will say this to you today, that where there is much prayer, there is much power. Where there is little prayer, there is little power. And where there is no prayer, there is no power. Because power is in prayer. Now please understand me, my subject tonight is not prayer. But let me pause here long enough to tell you that I'm not talking about the prayers that we pray as a church when we're just saying, Lord, thank you for this service tonight. I'm not talking about the prayers that we pray over our food or the prayers that we pray in a time of crisis. I believe that every child of God needs a prayer life. Amen. A prayer life. Like our breath. Amen. Just like you don't think about breathing. Just like you don't think about eating. Amen. It's just something that comes 
comes in natural. It's something that we do automatically. Nobody has to call a special eating time in your home. Nobody has to call a special breathing time in your home. Hopefully nobody has to call a special bathing time in your home. These are just things that we do naturally. They're just byproducts of what we've done every day. And so I'll say it again, where there's much prayer, much power. Where there is little prayer, little power. Where there is no prayer, there is no power. And so I say, Lord, help me to get a hold of the altar and realize that the most valued place that I will ever be in the course of my day is not behind this desk. The most valued place that I will ever be is not with this Bible under my arm or some title emblazoned across or in front of my name. But the most powerful place that I will ever stand, as it has been said many times, much more eloquent than me, a man stands the tallest when he is on his knees. And I'm going to tell you that when we go to the Lord in prayer, we are empowered we are endued. We are strengthened. Amen. The weapons of our warfare, they are, in addition to prayer, are the angels of the Lord. Amen. Do you know what Psalms 91 says? That He's given His angels charge over us? I believe that. Lest we dash our foot against a stone, they would be there to bear us up. I believe that God has dispatched His angels to us. The Bible says in Jude 1 and 9, Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, Amen, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. I'm going to tell you that there was a dispute going on, and Michael the archangel, Michael the archangel was there. I'm going to tell you this evening that I believe we got angels in camp round about us. I'm not just trying to sound uh, whatever tonight, but I believe if we could take off the scales of our natural eyes and we could look around us tonight. And I'm not just talking about because we're in this worship service, but I'm talking about if we could do this on your way home, in your car, there are going to be angels camped out around us. I'm not alone. I'm thankful for this, the song that says, no, never alone. I'm never alone. I'm never alone. God has given His angels charge over me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hebrews 12 and 22, the Bible says, But ye are coming to Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and into an innumerable company of angels. When the prophet's servant got so discouraged and thought they were all alone, <laughs> If you could just see what I see. If you could just see what I see. What did he see? I believe he saw that company of angels that were standing around them. Revelation 20 and 1, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, the great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more till a thousand years should be fulfilled. We know this is a thousand year millennial reign. He meant this should that be fulfilled. And after that, he would be loose for a little season. I'm going to tell you that the angels have power and authority. And we have angels with us. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm not a man who goes around looking for trouble. But I'm going to tell you when troubles, when troubles is near, I'm thankful to have people that are around me. I feel at peace when I've got people around me. When I think there may be danger, there may, there may be problems. Amen. I'm thankful to have somebody with me that could help handle that situation. The weapons of our warfare 
addition, in addition to that is the blood of the Lamb. The Bible says in Revelation 12 and 11, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb. Linked to the blood of the Lamb, another weapon of our warfare is our testimony. And they overcame not just by the blood of the Lamb, but by the word of their testimony. Another weapon that we have on our side is the word of God. It is an age-old illustration. If you have been in church, around church, near church, you've probably heard it more than one time. So here it comes again. When Jesus was coming out of the wilderness after His 40 days of fasting, at His weakest in His flesh, the devil come. If you're who you say you are, make these stones into bread. And in the weakness of His flesh, Jesus said, it is written. It is written. It is written. Two more times Satan would tempt him in that same conversation. And every time, it is written. Please don't think this old book is just taking up space. The Word of God. The writer of Hebrews said this about the Word of God. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and, of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow and the discerner of the thought and the intent of the heart, the power of the Word of God. Amen. The Word of God. I know, I know, I think what David was trying to say, Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I'm going to ask our musicians to come, and as they do when we begin to close this service, I want to remind you that we are a part of a powerful church. I've mentioned it many times tonight. The church is not staggering alone, struggling alone, trying to scrape by. Powerful church. The book of 2 Corinthians 10 and 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And so when we think about this just very briefly, if I would just step through these last few scriptures, we stand against the philosophies of our day which are vying for a stronghold in the society in which we live. Unless you have been living under a rock in the last few months, you're aware that the society that we're living in, the philosophies, the thought process, the general ideas of our nation are quickly, quickly changing. And so when we think about the spirit of humanism, Just so many, many things that could be inserted right here. We just think about the spirit, if I may say it this way, we just think about the spirit of 2015. 
I will stand here tonight and I'm not telling you this to to seek sympathy for me individually or for for us collectively, but I'm going to tell you that we are quickly becoming the minority. Quickly. Quickly. And so when we think about these strongholds, these strongholds, we stand against the dogma and the tradition of man-made religion. And, and I'm going to tell you something just emphatically tonight, not, not just trying to be crass, but, but today if you stand for anything righteous, that automatically puts you in a league of your own. Automatically. When you just stand for what's in this book. And so when you draw a definitive line in the sand, there it is. And so I have said for years and years and years that for so long, certainly the apostolic Pentecostal church thought that the thing that differentiated us was holiness and, and our worship and speaking in tongues and things of that nature. But we are quickly seeing the landscape, or we have in, in the last few decades, we have watched the landscape of a lot of those things change. Where outward worship is not that big of a deal, and many mainstream churches have incorporated that into their, into their worship. And so, you know, having um, somebody raise their hands or worship out loud or something like that is not nearly as... Uh, what it used to be. Even speaking with other tongues, the infilling of the Holy Spirit has largely been embraced by many, many mainstream denominal organizations. That's not what's going to separate. What's going to separate is the name. How many times do we we read it literally in Scripture, but how many times is it inferred in Scripture where it says, Go and speak no more of this name. Now forget that somebody got healed or forget that, that society was better. Forget that there was some obvious thing that, that changed. They said, Don't speak about this name. The name. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm not on a tangent tonight. I'm talking about the spiritual warfare that we are up against. Spiritual warfare. When you stand against the dogma, when you stand against the tradition of just man-made religion, when you stand against the thinking and the attitude of godless people who intend, and, and most recently with great success, to change the laws of our nation to anti-God and anti-standards and anti-a lot of things. You know, I mentioned a moment ago about even even areas of holiness. You know, there are there are people today that that are not apostolic. There are people today that are that wouldn't even probably classify themselves as Pentecostal that are speaking against the immodesty of our world. And so, some of the things people have lived long enough to realize that you know, this just any old thing goes is really not helping us as a nation. And so those things in some circles are not even separating us anymore. We are in a spiritual battle. He said, casting down imaginations, we defy and intend to destroy through prayer all theory and reasoning and religion or mythology set forth to divide 
and to fight against the knowledge of God. I want to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, let me just, let me get this word in my heart. Let me hide it here. Bring it into captivity. We take every thought prisoner. Amen. Lasciviousness, vain and evil thoughts. I'm going to tell you something. If you think about something long enough, your feet will follow the path. Rarely, rarely, let's stand together. Rarely, rarely do people do things suddenly. I know there's exceptions. But rarely do people do things suddenly. Many times, it's been a long, thought-out process. People have been thinking about dwelling on things for way too long. Way too long. I don't think there's any relationship in the world that hasn't felt itself, its own fair share of struggles and strains. There's not a church in the world that's ever gone its whole existence and not had seasons of great difficulty. And so, in those times of difficulty, we better guard our thoughts and our imaginations. We better bring them into the captivity of Christ because the devil will plant a seed in your mind. A seed. But a seed that's a live seed won't stay a seed forever. If you keep watering that, you keep revisiting that, amen. I don't pretend to understand all there is to understand about suicide and things of that nature, but you know, rarely do people ever just do that in a fleeting moment. Most of the time, more often than not, they've thought about that a long time. And they've played with that spirit and they've made that spirit welcome in their home and in their mind and in their life. Amen. We need to rebuke things of that nature. Bring it into captivity. Bring it into captivity. Bring it into captivity. I know that seems like an extreme example. But you see, it didn't start out extreme. It just ended extreme. It started out very simple, very easy. It seemed like a great thing, a solution. It would just fix everything. But that's not true at all. And so we've got to bring that into captivity. Would you make an altar where you stand tonight? Can we just worship the Lord? Amen. Can we just magnify the Lord together in this place? In Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.